Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hi everyone, just gone midday Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Great to have you company live from our Brangaroo studios for the call. Um, going to get through five stocks picked by you today. I'm going to put them to uh, two of our experts in this hour and uh, we have a special for you today. We're going to start in the first half of the show with uh, a normal uh, version of the call, two experts, five stocks picked by you. Then into the second half hour, we have a bond special. Some predicting bonds will have a stellar year in 2023. Now, if you're thinking, oh God, why would I even consider bonds? They're so boring. What's in it for me? We could be about to change your investment life in the second half of the call today. So we've got a, a separate bond panel to go through. Uh, what, what are bonds telling us about equity markets? Um, why will they have a stellar year next year and some of the good deals in corporate bonds out there at the moment? But uh, let's get into the first half of the program. Our two experts on the equities panel today, Grady Wolf from Bell Direct and also David Novak from Wealthwise Education. How are you both? Um, David, how are you feeling about the market as we uh, we go into Christmas? A Christmas rally has sort of staggered a bit in the last week. Oh, yeah. Look, after this massive, massive rally we've had, um, you know, 14% went from the lows of 64.50 on the XJO up to, you know, what was it, 73, nearly uh, 73.50 so, or more, actually, nearly 74. So it's time to sort of take <coughs> some money off the table. Yep. And um, with the S&P, also the markets over there and the commentary coming out, people are cautious about the next quarter earnings and, um, you know, Fed policy, of course. But earnings in the US and uh, you know recessionary fears as well for next year. So uh, yeah, good time to take some money off the table. I wouldn't be rushing to buy that right now, but we've had a fantastic rally here. Yeah. So how much money are you taking off the table? What are you holding out, holding in cash? Ah, oh, well, it'd be half now, fifty percent right. easily. Wow. Easily. Um, yeah. Look, I think we're we're in for a. This has been a great rally, but I think we're definitely in for a bit of a pullback here. Right. And, um, you know, the banks have had a great rally, uh, CBA leading the way, but also resources. I mean, look at BHP and Rio, I mean, especially. So, you know, they've they've probably due for a pullback as well. So I, I just think we've got maybe a couple of hundred points <clears throat> on the downside. And then um, we'll look at it, evaluate it from there. OK, so are you saying sort of just trim everything or you're saying get out of particular sectors? and stay in others yeah well trim i'm not saying sell everything to trim right. it depends again how how someone's got their portfolio how it's structured of course um so again it's all part of risk management but certainly trimming 
would be advisable, I think, right now. And uh, not, mind you, I can't give advice, so yeah, I have yeah. to speak to your advisor about that. But certainly taking some profits off the table, I think, is, is and then having a look at some that you might say, okay, well, maybe selling all of it. it it's really individual, right. stock by stock basis. Uh, Grady, what are the team at Bell Direct, how are they feeling at the moment with this sort of uh, bit of a pause? Did the Santa rally come too early and is going to finish early? And, and how are you seeing the first quarter next year? We're just seeing a lot of our clients at the moment shifting their portfolios into areas that are poised to do really well in 2023. So the likes of um, you've seen Boss Energy, a lot of the commodity stocks that are that have really high outlook for next year. Gold, um, a few gold IPOs coming online, um, and we do yeah, we're just seeing a lot of um, our clients are really reactive to what's happening in the news at the moment. So the Pilbara Minerals was one that's been a lot a highly traded stock lately. Fortescue Metals Group as China looks to come back online next year with Iron Ore Outlook looking pretty good next year. So it's just um, our clients are, yeah, just repositioning their portfolios into areas that are looking to benefit and looking poised to benefit from um, tailwinds next year. Okay. All right, let's get into the stocks we're going to cover in this half hour. Uh, Catapult, uh, Life360, Mader Group. Uh, Imutep and also New Farm are the uh, the five stocks you are, have asked us to take a look at. Um, David, first up, uh, Lewis wants a view on Catapult, the uh, um, the big statistics group um, in um, uh, for wearable sensors for for athletes, professional a- athletes. Australian-born business, lots of high-performance coaches got in on the initial IPO. Um, They're the little trackers that you see in the back of AFL players or rugby league players, even NFL players now in the the US where you're able to to track athlete performance. What do you think of Catapult? Well, look, it's quite impressive the number of um, teams that globally that are using their um, software application or analytics. You know, it's 3,000, I was reading this, 3,650 uh, teams globally, 40 sports globally teams, and 100 in 100 plus countries. So it's um, mm. they're sort sort of far reaching, that's for sure. Um, yeah, look, the only issue I've got here, or the main issue, um, I'll say off the bat, is the trend. I mean, you can see it there on the chart. Yeah, it's clearly down. Even though they've had an increase in revenues, you know, from their half year um, r- reported September revenues recently, um, it's up 16 percent. So they've got nice steady revenue growth. The problem I've got is the, the cash flow um, is going backwards. Mm. And they, they're saying that next year they will be looking at being cash flow positive again. But if you're looking at their closing cash balance uh, at the end of September in US dollars, it's approximately you know almost 16 million or between 16 and 17 million US dollars. Um, and they've got a uh, debt facility that they can take on um, for about $20 million US. But again, coming back to the cash flow, they look, they had a, a big drop, um, you know, the negative cash flow from the previous previous half year was 2.8 million. And this, this half, you know, we're talking 13 million negative. So, you know, that's a big drop, um, you know, from 42 million cash holding last year down to, like I said, around 16. Um, and then you've, you're looking at their balance sheet here, you know, market cap, valuation of 190 million but what makes up a lot of the valuation is what you know intangibles and goodwill um so their net equity uh, on the balance sheet is you know the intangibles goodwill is about 100 million total net equity is 90 million um 
but again, it's it's the problem that I've got is their costs. The employee costs have gone up from 19 million to 24 and a half. Um, employee share base schemes as well has gone up to 7 million. So look, their, their cash flow negative, they had a loss before income tax of 23 million. So this is not, uh, yeah. you know, look, uh, I love the application, but yeah. you know, it doesn't tick any of my boxes and the trend okay. itself. Only because I know a bit about it, uh, obviously putting my AFL hat on. Um, yeah. And all of these sports organisations around the world that they were selling to all got locked up during COVID. They, they were crunched. They had no revenue streams from, from attendances. They played in front of empty stadiums, all of that sort of stuff. So would you class Catapult as almost a reopening type of stock if professional sports organisations getting their revenue streams back make a profit. For example, last year, um, so lots of AFL clubs um, made uh, big losses. This year, with the reopening, they're making profits again. Yeah, uh, again, for me, Koshi, it's it's really about uh, the seeing the numbers turn yep. around um, yep. until I see that and the trend. You know, yep. look, fair uh, enough. As far as I'm concerned. You know, it can it can even have good positive numbers. I still would not buy it until I saw the trend turn. Yep, yep, no, good point. Uh, grading? It's a hold rating from Belvoda with a downgraded price target to 90 cents from a dollar. Um, exactly the same reason, cash burn is high. The company has a really low net cash balance of just $9.8 million at the end of September. Um, the important thing to note is the first half results for FY23 came in um, and they were well below Bell Potter forecasts. So revenue grew 11%, but was 5% below Bell Potter forecast. Underlying EBITDA was 3.3 million, which fell short of the, um, sorry, negative 3.3 million, which was sorry, it was expected to be 3.3 million and it was actually a negative 7 million. Key annual contract value um, was up 13%, but below Bell Potter forecast. So they're coming in really below, they're underperforming. And as you said, like sport has come back online last year mm. over this uh, in 2022, but they're still not performing. So the fact of that is that the company is really burning cash and they're really low in cash and they're just not bringing up the performance to match it. Um, it's interesting to know there's a few key risks at play here as well. Um, competitors can easily come into this industry. They, I know this company has a really, really strong market presence, over 130 com countries, 3,000 teams. Like They've got a really good market share. But it's easy for a tech company to come in and make a replica product. And so they need to continue to innovate, diversify, be cost effective, offer a really low, really low cost solution. So the company at the moment is a hold, um, but they've also downgraded their annual contract value guidance for FY23, right. which is a really important no, a really important thing to note because that's where they, they make all their money and the value going down is not a good thing. Yeah, and that's really re reinforcing your point, David, is that you got got to see those numbers being delivered and and they're not as Grady was saying at the moment. Okay. Um, Grady, Roger wants a view on Life360, the software development company based in the US that is um, runs mobile devices that you know, basically allows families to communicate with each other, for parents to understand where their where their kids are, and they're also into schools as well, aren't they? 
Absolutely. Well, they're looking, this company is really in the right place at the right time. We know there's so much around child protection, especially with the entry into schools and they couldn't, they couldn't be a better place at this time. Um, it's a buy rating from us with a price target of $9 per share. Shares are down 36% year to date at $6.09. That's just because of the tech sector sell off that we've already obviously seen investors fleeing growth stocks because of interest rates rising. So I don't think that has too much impact on this share. But um, the big thing about this company is cash is king. They've just recently completed a $50 million placement, which puts the company at a really, really strong position cash-wise, and it, redu it adds a reduced risk of buffering the, buffering the balance sheet with cash. So they're looking really, really positive. Um, the next catalyst for us at Bell Potter to see what the stock is going to be doing is the release of their 2022 results in March next year, um, though the preliminary results may be released a little bit earlier. But at the moment, we've seen a lot of momentum in this space. Over the years, we've seen a great, um, increased presence and talk about child security, the need for children to be tracked and um, yeah, just exactly child safety and security. It's a big priority and a big issue around the world these days. So understanding that the company is looking really, really positive. It, it is a loss making business at the moment. It's not expected to make profit for at least two years, but in saying that they're doing everything they can to be, um, to be in the right place at the right time. And they're a really large resilient subscriber base as well. So the company has uh, around 1.5 million paying circles. So their um, subscriber numbers are growing. They grew this 39% in 2021 despite COVID disruption. So, and that's when we're all locked down. So how do you need to track your child when they're in the same house as you? <laughs> but this company seems to be doing really well. So yeah, buy rating and a price target of $9 per share. Okay, all right, that's pretty positive. David? What do you think of Life360? Oh, look, it's not for my money. Uh, I, uh, look, there's again, I, I look at their cash flows and um, they haven't made a profit, from, I can see. And yeah, look, it's very impressive their, their subscriber growth, uh, 47 million at the end of September, but it doesn't translate at all to mm. the bottom line. They did that capital raising just recently in November. Um, late November, uh, they've raised $50 million, Aussie, I think it's $33 million US, at $6.30. It's trading below that right now at $5.80. Uh, look, that's had a good rally from uh, six months ago from the lows there in around June, from $2.50 up to a high of, well, just over $7. And now it's pulling back, it's turning back down here. So for my money, this, I would be selling this one. I, I, I look at buying it at lower levels, but again, um, just Fundamentally, it just doesn't tick my boxes with in terms of you know cash flow. I want to show me the money. You yeah. know, it's just not there right now. Yeah. And um, you know, so and and like I said, the people, the institutions that just took it up at six dollars thirty, they're underwater at the moment. And uh, look, there's four brokers. Obviously, Bell Direct is one of them that's going to price target. Uh, I don't know how you work it out, but ten dollars sixty. But see, with interest rates, this whole environment has reevaluated you know a lot of these companies now because from zero interest rates. You could put any valuation you like. And this is a whole new environment as far as I'm concerned. So cash flow is going to become king yeah. going forward. In so um, in terms of tech stocks, David, sort of your first filter is you've got to be making money and have cash in the bank. Is that, you know, because a lot, a lot of people are going, gee, tech, tech stocks have been really smashed in the market because of higher interest rates. Um, yeah. And a lot of them justifiably well, so. Well, ex exactly. Look, we, we've never seen an environment before, Koshi, where the, we've had you know zero interest rates um, until you know, now, of course. 
So bond, you know, talking about bonds, one of my favorite subjects um, is, you know, you, everything gets measured as a valuation against the bond yield. And so prior to this, like I said, there's even negative bond yields in the world. So you could place any valuation you like, it's all driven by sentiment. That's changed, the whole game has changed now. Now, I'd love you to ask this question, talking about bonds with the bond guys that come on. Yep. How does the banks, how does the banks in the US guarantee a 30 year fixed mortgage rate when they've got rising inflation and interest rates? Right. How can they guarantee that? I'd love to know what their right. response to that question would be. Because you try and go to a bank here and get a, a 30 year <laughs> fixed rate loan. Yep. Give yeah, it a go. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. That will be on my list, David, to uh, put with the bond guys coming up very shortly. Um, all right, our next stock, uh, Roger, uh, wants to view David on Maida Group, the uh, um, maintenance services company. Basically, they're a, a contract labour um, uh, company for yep. the maintenance of um, heavy equipment in the resources sector, Asia, Africa, America, 1,400 employees around the world. Pretty decent size. Yeah, look, uh, you know, they're, they're not huge in terms of market valuation, 750 million. Um, you know, their numbers are good here in terms of return on equity. I mean, especially in the services sector, you're seeing they can charge anything they like right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, their return on equity, I mean, at least they're making money. They're, you know, 33, 34% return on equity, which is a good number. They've had, you know, good earnings per share growth of 24%, revenue growth of 32%. These are good numbers, a small um it looks like a partly or maybe fully franked yield of 1%. But here's the problem I've got. Now, this one, even though it's had a great run here. Yeah, almost uh, record high. Yeah, I would be trimming. This would be an example of one that I'd be definitely trimming. Because right. it's on a, a multiple of 31 times. Um, wow. Now, you know, to warrant that kind of multiple, you'd have to have stellar, like, you know, earnings growth to, to warrant that. And I just think for valuation, it's fully valued up here. You know, if you if you are fortunate enough to buy this one at lower levels, boy, you'd certainly. I mean, I'm not saying sell everything, but I'm definitely would be trimming the sales on this one. There's better values out there, better okay. value out there in this sector as well. Hmm. All right. Um. Well, what do you mean in that sector? What's better value? Well, like, uh, I'd be looking at NWH, um, oh. uh, NRW Holdings, I should say. Oh. Uh, looking at DDH as well. Uh, right. Is another one in terms of valuations and, and dividend yield and earnings growth in that in the services mining services sector and diversification as well. Hmm. Uh, they're they're bigger, uh, slightly bigger companies. Yeah. Uh, well, so but not um, like I said, this one it's just had a good run. I'd, I'd certainly say thank you very much and take the money. Right. Okay, uh, Grady, what do you reckon on Mater Group? The same reasons, um, but. A little bit more, it's a buy rating from us with a price target increased recently to $4.20 from $3.85. Um, the company is really looking to um, grow over the next couple of years. So we see that the um, company's mature Australian business is set to be complemented by their expansion into the Americas, Canada, Asia, everywhere else in the mining jurisdictions around the world. They have a proven business model and the company is um, 
yeah, they as I said, they're doing really well on the expansion front. They're really well funded to fund this expansion, and the growth opportunity, or the management have demonstrated a track record of consistent annual revenue growth and stable margins in recent years. So this company is really looking really positive, especially with mining set to in, enhance next year. As, as I said before, China coming back online, iron ore demand, lots of different mining companies poised to benefit from the rising commodity prices. And given that they're across the mining services field, there's no better place for this company to mm. be at this time. Mm. Now, the company also um, is, has cash in bank, $7 million, but that's expected to hit $61 million by 2025. And it's a profitable business with free cash flow positive. So yeah, it's ticking all the boxes and it's a buy rating. Wow. Uh, so expecting a big increase in cash. Yes. Okay. Over the next few years. Yeah. All right. Uh, Daryl wants a view, Grady, on Immutep, the uh, the biotech company, sort of uh, in um, uh, products in cancer and autoimmune disease. Yep. What's your view on Immutep? So- Yes, speculative buy rating and a price target of 60 cents per share. Shares are down this year 32% just because we know healthcare stocks have taken a beating in the market conditions. Um, The company is in a pretty good position right now with they're ready to go with their first clinical trials for the IMP761. Um, They've just announced that a a GMP compliant manufacturing process has been established for the company's lag three targeting immunotherapy drug IMP761, which is designed to treat autoimmune diseases. Now, the company has employed Northway Biotech, a contract development and manufacturing organization to ensure the ongoing supply of this drug to facilitate IND enabling studies and future clinical trials. So they're really well positioned for the IMP761 testing. They've just announced a second clinical trial agreement for Insight 005, so um, with a collaboration agreement with Merck and Pfizer. So they've got two massive names in the biotech and healthcare industry that made waves, Pfizer especially, during the COVID pandemic. So partnering with those gives them serious credibility in this day and age. Um, So from our point of view, the the company is really well, they're adequately funded for this phase three trial and they're significantly cheaper phase one trials. So they're looking, um, I think it's a watch and wait over 2023. As we know, these trials can take years. So it's a speculative buy rating at the moment, but until we start getting some results, it's yeah, it's definitely a watch and keep an eye on this company. Okay. Uh, David, what do you think of Immutep? The, the, the issue with biotechs, I suppose, is how far along the scale they are uh, to getting to that binary outcome of approval or not, is it? Yeah, look, it's it, this one's above my pay grade, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be a biotech scientist or, or immunologist or whatever they are called these days to to give a proper assessment of this one as a, a, a play, you know, speculative. It, I, look, I agree with what Grady just said. I think it's it's such an important area. Boy, any breakthrough there, this stock will go through yeah. the roof. So it is a speculative buy. But for me to give an analysis, I, you know, like, like they've got 73, 74 million in the bank, they've got a market valuation about 316 odd million. The trend is positive, that which is a good thing. Uh, but it's really look all determined on results as going forward, as Grady said. And um, you know, it's one of those, um, yeah, put a little bit in, don't don't put the house on it. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they have success. Yeah, David. Uh, uh, some of the panels on on the call in the past have said with stocks like this. You almost treat them as as startup tech businesses that you you uh, maybe have a little bit in a portfolio of five that you're interested in, 
um, just yes. just sort of to hedge your bets in the in the speculative end of the portfolio, uh, ones that you believe in or hope will work, and rather than just bet the house on one. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And again, it's there, you know, uh, these trials and how much cash burn they're going through each quarter. I just looked at about six point three million is what they burnt went through in the September quarter. So they've got a lot of cash there to continue going. So, um, yeah, exactly. You, you've got to put this in what I call the speculative bucket. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. three buckets I, I, I talk about. Um, there's the income bucket, the growth bucket, and the speculative bucket. Right. So you only want to put a very small amount in that. Okay, how big is the spec bucket in terms of a portfolio? Well, uh, you know, again, if you take a total portfolio, you might say 5%. Look, it, it, yeah. it all depends on everybody's got a different risk tolerance and how much they've got to play with. You know, obviously, if you've got a bigger portfolio, millions, then you can afford to put a little bit more into it. But, you know, if you're talking like 5% of your total and in that 5% or 10% max, yeah. you would then put that into a number of different speculative stocks such as this one. Yep, yep. All right. And uh, our final stock for this half hour, David, um, Sally wants a view on New Farm. They call themselves a global crop protection business. Um, basically, they're like a seed bank. <laughs> they for everything you need to grow that farmers need, but they're also into insecticides and herbicides. Uh, what do you think of New Farm? I, I actually really like this one. It's in a great sector. Um, I, I would love to buy it, but not. I actually nearly did buy this one, and I missed the boat. I took my eye off it, and it got away from me. But uh, you know, look, it's had a. I'm just having a look at the chart now. Um, just let me uh, yeah, get yeah. this up here a bit. Um, but you know, it's moving up nicely here. I, I do like this one. Um, if you've got it, you definitely want to hold it. Uh, definitely not sell it. Uh, but I'd love just to pull back to back about around that $6 level. Uh, but look, I wouldn't be adverse to having a nibble of this one at the moment. I'm really positive about their their seed technology and canola. I think it's the, uh, what do they call it? The, um, uh, I'm trying to remember what it is now, the, the canola oil yep. um, product as well. So that's got some blue sky. But look, their, their profit was up 118%, net profit after tax there. Uh, revenue up 17%. These are good numbers. Um, they're in a strong financial position. Um, so, look, this ticks a lot of boxes, um, but I'd love to, like I said, uh, buy this lower right. down. Uh, right. And, uh, yeah, but anyway, look. So you're you're big on this, this agriculture and food thematic? Absolutely. Especially right. with climate change, uh, you know, and seed technology and, um, you know, and, crop protection especially yeah this is the company that's in the forefront of that it's got some really fantastic growth forecasts this company right. going okay. forward hmm. so uh, uh, just uh, just on that area are you an elders fan not now not right. with the <laughs> yeah after the pullback and didn't bounce uh, yeah this this one uh let me just have a look at elders um i'm more of a fan of this one new farm right but, oh okay. yeah look down here elders you got to you got to be thinking elders has got to be uh you know nibble down here after mm. this big drop anyway i yeah. have to look at it a bit more. okay uh grady what do you think of new farm 
Absolutely agree. New Farm is one of the stocks I love researching and I get so excited about. Um, they're a really long, long history company. 1956 it was established and it was founded by Max Fremder. It holds 2,100 product registrations and markets in more than 100 countries around the world. So it has a really, really strong market presence, globally diversified, really, really good in this sector. Um, buy rating at the moment with a price target raised from $6.75 to $7.15 recently. The company released really strong FY22 results, despite some major headwinds in the, in the form of deregistrations in Europe and obviously dry conditions across the Mediterranean and North America region in the second half of but these are expected to be mitigated um, in FY23, obviously driven by normalised weather conditions that are expected. Um, what I love about this company is their the way they innovate through the omega-3 canola. Now, it's the world's first plant-based source of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, which we normally get through fish. And so through this company, innovating with this product, will this, yeah, this new product and dietary products and food, um, where they're able to relieve the pressure on wild fish stocks. So this really helps the environment and helps the world and it provides another source of this energy and this uh, omega-3. So I love the fact that they're taking this path. They got FDA approval back in 2021. And so it's now deemed a new dietary ingredient. And yeah, I love the company and the way that mm. they've got really strong cash inflow as well. So cash inflow for FY22 was $340 million which was well above Bell Potter expectations. Um, operating MPAT $133 million, which beat all expectations and beat FY21. And revenue rose 17%, as David said. So the company um, also predicts three to five year target for crop protection and seed is unchanged and on track. So okay. the fact they've got that that higher outlook and that bigger growth is looking really, really yeah. favourable. So yep. this is definitely one I wish I jumped in on as well. Yeah, yeah. And you would think with all the floods, there'd be a, uh, a lot of crop rebuilding over the next uh, yeah. season or two as well. Um, Grady, thank you very much for joining us. Grady Wolf from Bell Direct, David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Good to see you, team. Appreciate your time today. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's re recap our first uh, five stocks. Uh, Catapult, a hold from Grady, a no from David. Uh, Life360, uh, a buy from Grady and Bell Direct, uh, a sell from uh, from David. Uh, Mater, a buy from Bell Direct, a trim, start taking some profits. Uh, in uh, David's recommendation. Uh, Immutep, a speculative buy from Grady. David's pretty close to that as well. And uh, New Farm, a nibble from both of them. So uh, they're our first five stocks for the day. Now here on the call, we've been tracking our own High Conviction Fantasy Growth Fund picked by the Investment Committee. Uh, the latest episode of the committee meeting is live on the platform now. In that December meeting, um, they removed Babcorp and Domino's from the portfolio. Uh, Index and Janison were added in replacement and the elders waiting was increased. And uh, since the 1st of March, the uh, cumulative return is 8.5%. So keep sending your requests through for the call in. And that is the, uh, the first filter to get to the investment committee. We'll take a short break and be back with the bond portion of the show. Mark Todd from Bank of China, uh, John Lycos from Bond Advisor uh, coming up next. All things bonds after this break. 
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, we're going to talk bonds for the second half of the program now. We've had a lot of requests from people uh, saying, hey, can we have a rundown of the bond market and how important it is for our portfolio today? And then we have others who say, bonds? Why would you want to talk about bonds? How boring are they? Well, let me tell you, we have got a panel that is going to take the B out of boring and put the E into excitement. Mark Todd from Bank of China. How are you, Mark? Good to good, see you. Good. John Lycos from Bond Advisor. Love it. John, good to see you. You too. All right. You've lifted the bar. Yeah. That's good we have to make bonds that exciting, which is the hardest part of financial education in the planet. Okay, well... But it's an interesting story. It's, it's, yeah, it is yeah. interesting. So what role the bonds play in a portfolio? So the way I think about a lot of this was if you look at the history lesson that we're having right now, yep. um, we've gone from QE to QT. And so what they were doing was bringing rates back to normal. So rates, risk-free rates were coming back to normal. Yep. And remember transitory inflation story. Now that QT is trying to stop inflation. So the role that these, these bonds are playing is that Firstly, it's the, it's the evidence of what the Fed is trying to do. So right. it's impacting equities. You know, you're trying to see what the Fed's doing when they're trying to lift rates. And then the second part of it is what component of the cash portfolio used to get zero, now gets 4%. So you're saying, okay, hang on a second. That role will play, go to sleep, be easy. You know, you just had some of your guests saying, I'm going to take money off the table. Well, where will you go and put it? Mm. You, know, you know, if you're getting... 50, 80, 70, 90 over the cash rate, you're going to get a 4% return. Have you got that channel set up? Are you yep. ready to go and do that? Now, you might go to a <coughs> deposit or whatever you might do, but it's that component that plays a role around income, whereas before right. it wasn't. It right. wasn't income. I remember when we were at NAB Trade, when I was at the NAB, you know, it was 25 basis points, 10 basis points. It was nothing. Yep. Yep. And now you're actually getting... A decent of, return. Well, some sort of money. And, and you're taking some... Running into Christmas... You probably want a little bit of more cash around. That's probably yeah. how they're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, how much should you have in a, in a portfolio with bonds for a normal investor in your self-managed super fund? Yeah, I think as you get older, it, it increases in terms of your allocation. You know, I know people tend to fall back on the 60-40. It's yeah. not kind of a bad benchmark, I suppose, in a way. Naturally, depends on your own personal circumstances. But again, talking to the main role of bonds, if your priority is capital preservation, yep. income, uh, potentially liability matching, you know, maybe you want to uh, provide uh, a certain bullet point payment for a, a child's graduation or something, um, then you're going to find that bonds have a very important, like, important role to play in the portfolio. Right. So look, more as you get older generally, yep. but there's risk takers amongst us that probably don't yep. ever really want to take them. And explain the trading of bonds as well and why bonds look so attractive now as maybe we're getting to the peak of the interest rate cycle. Well, bonds are a lot more illiquid, let's say, than equities. Equities yep. is quite easy. You jump on the screen, you trade. Yep. It's very easy to execute. Bonds still are a little bit traditional old school in the sense that often, particularly, you know, Mark and myself and at the industry, have to ring someone up, get a price, 
try and match it, etc. Uh, so what you find often with the bond markets, because of those pricings, you often get mispricing opportunities. Right. Now, we haven't had those in a long time because the central banks have been the ones buying. But finally, we have some really attractive yield. And it does kind of feel at the moment like perhaps we've topped out. Um, I don't necessarily think we have topped out, but current levels in my view are very attractive. Will they get more attractive? Maybe, I think they might a little bit more, but even if they don't, we're really comfortable yep. buying at these levels. Yep. Um, Mark, years ago, start of the GFC, uh, just before it started, and share markets are at record highs. Mm. Uh, um, an unnamed mate of mine, Joe Hockey, who was then finance minister, his wife, Melissa, Melissa. Babbage, yeah, yeah. Bank. Who, who, is, who is the brains of that couple without <laughs> a shadow of a doubt. Yep. Uh, Joe rang me and said, Melissa is saying, sell everything. Mm. I've convinced her to keep the house because the bond market is telling her the share market's about to crash. So, so how can bonds be a lead indicator of what equities are going to be doing? So I was with a treasurer of one of the Australian banks at that same time. Right. And he said, the, the rate that people are giving me money for securities I've got is just ridiculous. Yep. So the price they're charging to lend me money is just stupid, it's so cheap, yep. it's crazy. And so what the bond market is saying is there's some madness happening in that market where it's getting too, yep. you know, they're getting very nervous, you're not taking the right coupon. So the bond market started to respond by saying, hang on, you've mispriced risk. Right. And if you misprice risk, which is basically a lending experience, if you've mispriced that, then what else are you mispricing? Right. So the bond market starts to go higher and saying, hang on a second, things aren't really good below the waterline, I now need a higher coupon. And so when I was in the US, when we were in the GFC, the way the bond market was responding was giving you an example of where the equity market would ultimately right. respond. So, so it's sort of a bit like a canary in the It's a in the super canary. Market. The loan market, all that sort of stuff is where the cash flow is. Right. And so how do organisations fund themselves? What's happening in the loan market, the debt markets? All of a sudden, people are finding it very hard to fund, which is what's happening in the high yield market at the moment. Right. So that canary is telling us now that, that there's risk in equities. Yeah. That, that canary is saying that, I, f I feel like that canary is saying that the, the equity market has mispriced the duration of these higher rates. So when you right. talk peak, that's fine, but how long will you stay at, let's say it's 5%, how long do you stay at five? Yeah. Now the equity market is saying in 2023, we might go lower. And yeah, I get think rate cuts, rate cuts are correct. coming next mm -hmm. year. Correct. Bond the bond market is saying, saying no, 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 no. Yeah. A lot of the bond market is saying, how do you support that? How do you, what, what is the fundamental that you think will drive that? And we've got a chart to show you where yeah. we think the evidence would be history that the, the iconic uh, central banker is Volcker. Yeah. So history will say, this is where he made a mistake. Now, now the way Volcker is viewed now, he never made a mistake, yeah. but he made a mistake and he came back a lot harder. And now when you think about, when you look at that chart, when you hear the Fed president say, we will be here longer. Which is this one here. So look at the drop. So yep. in the gray bar, Volcker actually lifts rates, then drops them because he's worried about the recession. Yep. So that's in the middle of the chart. So everyone needs to be aware of what the central banks are gonna do because they're the ones that have hurt your equity portfolio. Yep. So now look at him, he goes, oh my God, I've dropped too much and he rallies really hard. He lifts rates really high yep. and that crushes inflation. But that's when you have um, mm. Reagan comes in, Remember that recession that we had? Yep. It was a disaster. You know, yep. we had Fraser and we were talking about the recession we had. We, we broke the back with the, the droughts. But you can see what the central banks then did. They went really hard. Now, the present day central bank doesn't want to have that chart. 
They want to go up right. and they want to stay up. Right. They don't want to drop it because inflation won't be beaten. And they know what Volcker had to do. He had right. to smash it with a baseball bat. So, John, you guys are saying that all of these equity managers who are saying, hey, inflation's going to drop quickly, um, yeah. the economy is going to slow quicker than everybody thinks, and rate cuts next year, you're basically saying, forget it. And if you're in equities, and say you're in tech stocks or whatever, they're going to be down for a long time. They'll be volatile. Um, are we saying that? Yeah, look, I think we're saying that maybe we're putting a higher emphasis on the priority of inflation fighting right. um, than maybe the equity market. But absolutely, you know, inflation has a long way to fall. And right. if we're talking target rates of two to three, you know, where we just heard the RBA talk up an 8% rate towards the end of the year, yeah. there's a long way to go. It's not going to go from eight to two in six, 12 months. Right. And so... The argument that there might be rate cuts, however, I think is almost triggered by the fear of a sharp fall into a recession, yes. particularly in the US, yep. which then prompts other questions such as potential stagflation scenario. Right, okay. But the other point is that if the equity market thinks that inflation will be beaten, having only seen one change in inflation this year, <laughs> yeah. 4%, mm -hmm. massive tightening, one change. So now they think it's all gonna collapse in 2023, that's bad for equities. Yep. Because the economy is collapsing. Yep. So that, okay, they might ease, but you've still now got a collapsing economy. Yep. So that's not good for equity. So then that's why the bond market's saying stay long the longer end, because it's a, sort of a, an easier strategy. If they're right, they close the economy, they slow it down. Yep. If they slow it too quickly, they'll stimulate. That's why they're taking the long end yep. down lower. Yep. All right, we've got US 10-year treasuries um, chart here uh, to have a look at as well. What's that telling us? Oh, what I love about the US tre Treasury is it tells a macro picture, generally mm -hmm. speaking. And, and what we're seeing here is we saw a very sharp um, fall, particularly recently. In the last month, we've seen yep. basically come from 420 to 340 last night on the back of weaker yep. numbers. The market is increasingly pricing in a below trend slash recessionary environment near term. And to Mark's point, that's not really good for anybody. So we're rushing to safety. Right. So that goes against the idea, and that's why we're seeing the NASDAQ falling a lot at the moment, because yep. they're particularly more interest rate sensitive sectors as well, and economy sensitive sectors as well, because a lot of them still aren't really earning money. Yeah. Um, and that's why we now have a scenario whereby we're thinking, okay, uh, things might actually, the bond market's telling us now things might be slowing. Right. And soon. Right. So kind of prepare yourself and brace yourself. Okay, so does it tell you how much it could slow, Mark? Oh, it, it tells you that there is a, think of it as a fear factor, like where's the behavior going? So what, one of the things that's happened over the last week is about $4 trillion has gone into the long end of the US uh, ETF curve, so 20 year plus. Right. Now, $4 trillion, that's a lot of money. That ETF has only got 30. So hmm. think about that volume of money that's going in. So what, what we need to be thinking about is, if I've got $100 billion and I'm a, a massive pension fund, am I rethinking about 2023? Am I going to start putting money into this long end? Am I starting to do that? Yep. So that sucks money out of what had traditionally been there, whether it be equities, whatever it might be. Right. Yep. Real assets. They're going into the bunker. What, what do you think real assets will look like next year? What will, what will the private equity pricing look like next year? What will yep. happen when those industry things like CalPERS uh, real assets and private equity gave CalPERS about a 23% return last year. 
as of June of last year. Yeah. What will it be this year? Yeah. When you think about how tough that market has been, because they lost 6% last year. Yeah. $106 billion yeah. lost 6%, helped by private equity and real assets. Well, if we revalue property, real assets lower, that's problematic. So now, yeah. are you starting to see these big funds say, I better go and get some coverage. Yep. I better go long. I better take a lot of the longer duration because I think rates are going lower. Okay, two year US Treasury. So let's bring it back from so, 10 year to two year. How's that different? So what we've done here is we've tried to bring out a chart that shows you the craziness of the US economy. So the one on the left is the US chart. Right. That big bubble at the top is the short end. So look at how far they push rates. Yep. So now you can actually see the behavior, the, the, the triangle in the middle at the, at the end, that's 20 years. Right. So you can see why people are putting money into 20 years, because look, you either go very short yep. and think that rates aren't gonna go higher, so what you, have, what you do is you run down the yield curve and you're gonna get a 4% return. Whereas you look at the chart on the right, that's Australia. That's a normal chart. Yep. If I give you money for longer, you will pay me more. Look at America. America is saying, please consumer, stop consuming. Yep. yep. Please, I'm gonna lift this up and I'm gonna hurt you. I'm gonna take a bulk of bat and I am gonna belt you. And so now the question is, how does the market respond to this? Do they start to sell the 10 years, the very lowest part, uh, assuming that, and go back into the twos? Yep. Or, or do they just say, those twos are just too attractive, let's yep. just buy that. Yep. And that's a big number running into end of year. Even if you go another 50 basis points higher, Look at that shape. Yep. That shape doesn't make any sense, whereas our shape makes sense. Yeah, yeah. John, why does ours make sense? And have the Americans got it wrong? Uh, or is this reflecting a different economy for us and different rate cycle for us? Yeah, I think it reflects particular nuances in Australia. One is, I think, the dovish versus very hawkish tones of uh, historically, the central bankers. I think the Australian central bank has probably been a little bit more dovish relative to the yeah. US. Should, should more, it be? Um, oh, look, I think I think they were perhaps more hawkish at the last uh, right. meeting, um, and appropriately so. Um, I possibly do think they're under maybe stating a little bit. They maybe right. are a little bit too dovish. Um, the US is clearly prioritising inflation, yep. and they're being hawkish in their language. Yep. And even though they're talking down the, the steepness of the aggression, they're still talking a big game in yep. terms of rates. Yep. So I think that's one thing. Scaring definitely. the hell out of people, aren't they? Well, it is. And, and it, look, they want, they want to tighten fiscal conditions or, or find, like financial conditions, right. which unfortunately at the moment isn't really happening. Yep. Um, whereas your point is also accurate, I think, in the sense that it is a different dynamic with the Australian economy as well. Um, perhaps our prospects are, you know, um, you know, we have, for example, you know, a, a currency which can support us yeah. in, in times of, you know, risk off, etc. And um, and people buy what we produce. Yeah, uh, that's uh, true. And yeah, we, if, and if you took the labels off every country mm, and said yeah. there's this country of 25 million people who have hard and soft commodities that everyone needs, yeah. that have uh, a wonderful place of people, that we dig great big holes, yeah. we mm. plant a lot of things and people want to come and look at us. If you took that, packed the brand off, yeah. you'd say that's a really good economy versus right. Europe where you've got a war on your doorstep, you can't get your energy. In America, it's as if the consumer doesn't have access to the internet. Yep. You know, they, uh, it seems to be oblivious. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like it's that, not could agree. that could sum up America, <laughs> yeah, because they're, you know, they're not very wide. They're, they're thinkers, they're, 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 look thinkers. at the, the, the last job numbers, it was in leisure, hospitality. Like they are, 
spending like there's no tomorrow. They're going on holidays yeah. and they're just eating. And like, yep. are you going to save anything? And so yeah. they're yeah. the job growth. The, the Fed will be looking at going, you're just not listening, guys. Right, no, that's right. That's and they'll exactly. say, oh, it's all your communication. What What are you missing? Look, yeah. at, the, look at the curve. Yeah. yeah. And our, it seems as though the Australian household's balance sheet is in much better shape than the US savings rates. Still pretty high. Yes, we have a high level of household debt, have a really high level of household assets as well. We, we have a much better mechanism than the, the US. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah. a much better mechanism of the US of pricing tightening. We go right. to the, the Australian majors and we say, listen, things should be tighter, and they just screw it. And the, yeah. the Aussie banks just shut it down. Whereas that doesn't happen in the US. Property mm. is such a big part of our economy. Right. Whereas they've got 30 year fixed. Yeah. So they tighten rates and somebody goes, mate, okay. I, I've got 30 year fix. I'm fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, David Novak from Wealthwise Education mm. uh, on Last Haven says, how can you fix a yield for 30 years like that's, they do in the that's US? They do. It's crazy. It's, I, I worked there for three years how and I would look at them. and justify I, that? It, and what happens is how they price it is in the treasury market. So, you know, remember when NAB bought um, an American bank and got the pricing wrong on the 30-year treasury. So they are very sophisticated how they do it. So all they're doing is taking uh, American exceptionalism credit. So they're saying the American consumer can always pay back their debts. They take a 30-year risk and then go and hedge it through the markets. They trade it through the markets. It is a very unusual experience. So it's very hard as a Fed, because the um, the banking sector is so fractured over there. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. That, so <laughs> now I'm starting to see the light a bit that that they have to go hard. Yeah. Because the banks and mortgage rates don't react Correct. nearly as quickly as Correct. they do here in Australia. Correct. So you can't say our Reserve Bank has got to match the Fed because no. they've got to go further because they. Yeah, have this stuck thirty-year mortgage. We only move if it's. If we, I, I feel like we only move if it's an FX story. Right. So if if, if our rates are, are bad and it's reflected in the foreign exchange and that right. hurts us, then we might make a move. But I don't okay. feel like our economy needs uh, any movement anymore from what the RBA has done. I think they've done. I actually think they've done a pretty good job. Right. So you think this should be the top? Big one. You think this should be the top? Yeah, I, f- I okay. feel like the. But I think we stay at the top for a long time. Yeah. John, do you oh, no, I think we should go more. I, I, I think, you know, there's there's 25 to 50, I, I still think. Okay, so we're not far that's away. That's not to 4%, like Well, no, I don't think so. Say. But you know what? Like, again, it it's a tough thing to predict. So, right. but that's where we kind of sit. Retail like sales that. are down. My wife stopped shopping. This like, mate, <laughs> we're, we're, we're <laughs> uh, now, John, I think this is your next chart as well that we're bringing up. The, is this the Bloomberg... Uh, yeah. Aggregate investment grade. Look, I've, so what I'm using there is just to, to indicate, and I'm using the US corporate yield because it's a far deeper market than Australia. Right. Ours a lot smaller. The point there is, again, as I was saying before, the investment grade space for us is probably our favourite space right now to invest right. in, in fixed income. Right. Now, in Australia, we might know this as the major bank bonds, right? Right. AA rated, for example, yep. the Telstra's of the world, or, or, yep. or what have you. And as Mark was saying, we're finally looking at yield, where, which was you know, 1% 12, 18 months ago, the same bond might be issuing three or four now, yep. at a minimum. Yep. So, you know, we can still see there, it's actually pretty high relative to near-term history, even if you go back to post-GFC. Yep. So, you know, rates are still attractive. Do they go up again? They might, possibly, if the market's underestimated the aggressiveness yep. of the central banks, but, you know, we're not in the game of trying to guess exactly the top and the bottom. Yeah. We look at that and we think, 
those are good numbers. I'll take my 6%, 5% for a good investment right. grade bond. So in terms of the, of the cycle, Mark, this is getting almost peak bond cycle. Yeah, this is pretty attractive. To, so to put it in for well, yeah, the well, viewers at home. Yeah, who, who might relate it to a commodity cycle. Yeah, mm. so to put it to the viewers at home, um, mm. Suncorp just brought out a five-year bond yesterday. Right. In January of this year, they paid 75 basis points over the floating rate. So, right. okay, that's fine. Yesterday was 125. So wow. in one year, they've gone from 75 basis points to 125. Not only that, the floating rate is much higher than mm-hmm. it was at the start of the year. And Suncorp is being bought by ANZ. Right. So credit should improve, five-year debt, it's 1.6 times. Right. So that says, and they were, I think they got $1.7 billion in bids. Yeah, right. Now what that means is, what, what we're trying to say is that the institutional money are going, so look at this, this yeah. is happy days. This is, yeah. the Australian banking sector is in such good state. Right. So for the viewers at home. So I can buy that as a retail investor. Well, at, at what you can buy as a retail investor are hybrids. Right. So the Australian banking sector, they, they talk so about- So we've got, John, another chart here, I think is yours, yes. which is the big four banks. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what we've got here is big four banks, <coughs> their hybrids, which is the AT1. Yep. additional tier one capital. So they're, they're the, what everyone knows as hybrids. Tier two is what sits above that on the capital right. structure. And senior unsecured is you know even further above the safest of the lot. Right. And as you see, the, the safer it is, the lower the return. But what we've seen, if you look right at the end there, is a downward move. Yep. With In line with US 10 years, which are the benchmark. Yep. These things tend to follow benchmarks. But at the moment, what we're seeing is we think tier two and senior unsecured are the two most attractive of the three here. Okay. There's two ways to do it. You buy hybrids because you like the banking sector, you think it's safer, so everyone will say, hang on, you don't understand the risk. No bank in Australia seems to be under any stress. No. You know, the regulator <laughs> is looking after yeah. them, so you can go and buy that. Yeah, yeah. Or you find a manager that, that gives you the right, you know, uh, they've got the right mandate. So they say, this is what we're going to do, like right. whether they buy corporates. So you can talk about, you know, Chris Joy, and I'm not promoting Chris, but you know, Schroeder's Chris, you right. know, Franklin. There are a lot of fund managers out there looking for the right investment from, you know, whether it be your advisor or direct. So right. I would look at the mandate that the, the investor is investing yeah. under. And there's a lot of ETFs out there as well. Yeah, I was going to ask. A lot of ETFs out there. And yeah. right. I mean, you ask your advisor and you say, look, you know what? I want to buy investment grade bonds. Right. What's the best way to get that through an right. ETF? Right. And they're generally the most seamless, frictionless yeah. right. um, processes to access that stuff. Because it's a really good question. I consider all day talking about tier two. But most of the viewers don't really know what tier two is. No, no, no. And I'm saying, no. you know what? Or, you know or where what? to go? There's a tier two ETF out there in the market. Right. Okay. You know? So, so you just look at the return you're going to get and say, look, what, what? So what volatility am I going to get? Right. That's the thing to think about. If I if I want to go and buy Amazon, or you know, you, you saw I just listened to the Magellan podcast on the Fin Review, and you heard what the the big bets they were taking, yeah. and that huge volatility. Whereas you're saying, am I? At this point in time, do I want volatility? Like whatever it might be. And if I don't, I'm going to go and look at that hybrid space. I'm going to look at those ETFs. I'm going to say- But an ETF gives you liquidity too, doesn't it? Yeah, it gives you liquidity when when you don't need it. But yeah, no, it gives you liquidity. Okay, yeah. No, no, Jack, what I'm saying is- No, no, that's- They're a general market. You find the right provider and the liquidity will be stronger, right? And that, again, goes back to the advisor who you talk to, who you deal with, but- So what's your favourite? Oh, look, I mean, there's some really good Vanek ones out there, we right. think. 
um, in particular on, on the ETF side yep. um, that tend to cover quite a wide range of the fixed income yep. asset class. And Vanguard's got some good ones. Well, one of the other things to, to recognize is that the banks are issuing far greater volume. Yep. So when we first started doing these sorts of businesses, a bank would come out and do a $500 million three-year issue. Yeah. Uh, Westpac went out yesterday, did one-year issue, $1.7 billion in one day. Right. So if you want to have liquidity, it's pretty good if there's $1.7 billion out yes. there. You know, and it's the same with their three years, $1.5 billion. You know, right. NAB did in one day $4.75 billion in three and five years. Okay, so but that's the big end of town. But that's it, a big super fund coming That's in. right, but in terms of the ETF, they'll be buying that. Right. And if they want to sell it, the trader wants to sell it, they sell, that ETF seller goes into right. the institutional market and he needs or she needs to right. know there's lots of volume on issue. Vanguard and Vanek Would be coming into the institutional market and saying to somebody, what's your price on What that? are your favourites? Yeah, well, I'm with him. I, I like I like Vanguard. I think they do. Yeah. I think they do a really good job. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and stick with the really the cheap prices. And yeah. see, and see, that's if someone's got a self-managed super fund with, and our viewers we know from research had some one and a half, two million dollars in their in their self-managed super fund. If you're really scared about the equity market next year mm. and everything going to crap, that's a bond ETF to you know, maybe three or four and have 40% of your portfolio on it. Yeah, and buy that's, a few long-dated puts and see you later. You just, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, you can, yeah. you can keep, you can hedge up 25% of your portfolio through some puts, yeah. or you can do whatever you want, 50% of your portfolio through puts and then go and buy yeah. 40% in something that's going to give you a 4% yeah. return and say, yeah. okay, I'm going to spend a little bit of my capital to sleep well. Like I think first quarter 2023, where everyone is saying there's going to be a cut, yeah. might then be a cyclical change. We're going, hang on, there's no cut. Yeah, yeah. And, that and then shock. you bought that protection via your option market, and yeah. then you've still got that 4% return, which will probably rally. Yeah. And, and just to highlight just quickly, it's important when you do talk to your advisor, there are nuances within fixed income ETFs, things like duration, which is an abstract concept to the retail investor. Yeah. Um, you might not want that duration <laughs> position. So you need to make yep. sure that when you do buy something, you understand key terms in fixed income investing, such as duration. Right. Okay. Oh, bloody hell. We've only got 30 seconds to go. Oh. That went quick, oh, wow. didn't I? Yeah. I promised an exciting half hour. You two <laughs> have really made it great. We're, we've got to do it again. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and just because I just know from my Joe experience all those years ago, I didn't realise how much you can read into bond markets and how much it affects your equities decisions going forward. Uh, and bond markets are generally always right. They tend going to be. Forward. It's that cash flow. Yeah, yeah. Um, because equities are all full of marketing and sort of hope into the future. Yeah, yeah. hope you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> John, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Great really appreciate here. it. Yeah, thanks. That's it uh, for the call for today. I will see you at same time tomorrow, midday, for another edition of The Call. Small Caps coming up next. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.